Oh, hell yeah. You know what that sound means. You know damn well when you hear those little quadrum things, it means one thing. It's time for some college football. It's time for more or less unpaid children to risk their brain health for large companies that masquerade as schools. We can't even afford what these schools are selling us, so we strangely agree to give them outrageous sums of money for, like, decades, all for the illusion of modern, up-to-date educations. Let's get back to the football, though. Notre Dame and Miami are two completely different football programs, and I mean that in the best possible way. Styles make fights, and these two are on different planets. Notre Dame is old school, the oldest school. Notre Dame is tradition, Indiana, and the church, for God's sakes. And Miami is the you, brash, loud, South Beach. Notre Dame is Newt Rockney and Touchdown Jesus. Miami is Ed Reed and Smoke in the Tunnel. These two schools, in air quotes, have met in big games before, but the third-ranked Irish and seventh-ranked Hurricanes got together in South Florida for another chapter on November 11, 2017. The Canes scored two touchdowns in the first quarter to take a 14-0 lead, two field goals in the second pushed the lead to 20, and a Trajan Bandy 65-yard pick six made it 27-0 at half. Miami's DJ Dallas soared over the goal line to start the third quarter and effectively ended the game. A late touchdown from the Fighting Irish got matched by a hurricane touchdown, and the game ended 41-8, total blowout. So why the hell are we talking about this game on first ballot? Because some things in sports are bigger than the final score, and that's what this show is about. Finding the true beauty in a 41-8 behind-the-barn ass-kicking, and we're going to do it. This is First Ballot. Let's go. Welcome to First Ballot, the podcast that celebrates the moments in sports that really matter and inducts them into the First Ballot Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Neil, the long-lost Gasol brother, the podcast Jordan Clarkson, the Michael Jordan of leaving one piece of food in the bag of the box so my wife has to throw the thing away afterwards, coming to you live from the Shaquille O'Neal office depot, big and tall executive suite desk chair. Today's episode could be sponsored by the Front Office Sports Newsletter. Want the easiest way to stay in touch with not just the sports business, but the business of sports? Sign up for the Front Office Sports Newsletter. I've been a subscriber for a while now, and I read it virtually every day. I'm not inundated with emails. Front Office Sports for the influence of sports on business and culture. FOS hit me up with some money. The 2017 <laughs> drubbing of the University of Notre Dame by the Miami Hurricanes is a powerful sports moment. But is it good enough for the first ballot Hall of Fame? Well, that's what we're here today to decide. Buckle up, Chief. and here to help me with that decision is the CEO and one of the founders of, oh, would you look at that, FOS, Front Office Sports, a company recently valued at $25 million. He was named one of Forbes' best and brightest 30 under 30 in sports in 2019 alongside a guy by the name of Giannis Adentadagumpo. And most importantly for today, he's a proud Miami Hurricane alumnus. It's Mr. Adam White. Adam, thank you for being on the show. Thanks, Neil. I appreciate it. That's the best introduction I've had, I think, ever. Listen, so, we, we do our best here. Thank you for doing the show. It does seem like a waste of your time. If you're a CEO of a company, you've That's made right. a terrible misstep here. 
That's fun. If we're talking about Miami Hurricanes, I'll talk about it. There we go. I want to I reveal something to you right out of the gate, Adam. You don't know this. You went to the University of Miami. I went to the University of Notre Dame. Tough. <laughs> Tough. I didn't realize that. <laughs> you have got a road to climb here. You've got a, yeah, a real road to hoe to get this in the first belt hall of fame. This okay. is going to be tough. I'm going to take this very right. seriously. Okay, here we go. Right. Let's get right to business, Adam. I noticed that you were not sitting in a Shaquille O'Neal office, Debo Big and Tall Executive Suite desk chair. Are you intimidated by me that I am sitting in one? No. Are you, no. Do you want to see it? Look at how big I mean, and regal it is. That, 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 that's, a, that's a nice desk chair, I must, I must admit. But, uh, you know, I'm actually in an office, not in my mom's basement or whatever it is. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. It, if you, you guys can't see it at home, maybe I'll post a picture. It does look like a captain's seat. Like a, like a, like right, it looks like you're ready to take off. It looks like you're in a private jet. Yeah. Shaquille O'Neal, he's got his name on everything. Uh, Adam, you are the guy. You are the guy when it comes to sports and business. Can you think of anyone more interesting in the sports and business space than Shaquille O'Neal? There's not many, to be honest with you. I mean, the guy has built an incredible brand. He knows exactly what he's doing. Yes, and he he's just he he just is. I wouldn't say like transformational, but transcendent. Like totally. all the young people still love Shaq. Yes. All the older people still love Shaq. There's yes. just something about him. Uh, that and like inside the NBA, you know, obviously is incredible with him and Chuck. And you know, I, it's very difficult to find someone who is, I think, more beloved as a former athlete than Shaquille O'Neal, not only by fans, but by businesses, too. You know, he's on the board of Papa John's, mm-hmm. he invested in Ring early on before they got bought by Amazon. And you know, he's done a lot with the general insurance and ABJ and he's now DJ and like, yeah, Buick, I mean, I but he's, he's just like the perfect personality he for is. it too. Cause there's just like, there's no other place where you're going to get someone who I have no idea how actually tall he is, but like seven foot, I think. Right. Yeah. Uh, who's going to be like that type of personality. I feel like you're going to get like someone who's like seven foot, maybe a bit awkward. Cause like, you know, it yes. just kind of happens, but like totally. seven foot and have the personality and like prowess of Shaq. He kind of got the, he, got, he hit the genetic lottery, I guess we could he say. really did. He's got that yeah. crazy charisma thing where basically for all intents and purposes, Shaq could kind of sort of do almost anything and everyone would still love him and be like, Oh, Shaq. <laughs> and and he's, he's so monstrously big. You'd think it would push everyone away, but it's like the exact opposite. People are completely drawn to him. And again, he's selling icy hot. He's selling printers. He sold me a desk chair. He's fantastic. Shaq, congratulations on everything. Uh, seems like it's really going swimmingly for you. Uh, Adam, let's table set here. What's your favorite sport, your favorite team, and your favorite athlete of all time? Oh, tough ones. Uh, favorite sport, it's interesting. I love college football. I really do love college football. There's nothing better than college football, to That's be honest great. with you. Uh, Saturdays, you know, the pageantry. It's not like NFL from a skill level, right. but from a chaos level. Yes. It's so yes. great, <laughs> you know? Like when 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 when. Uh, who was it uh, that beat Michigan that one time a long time ago and kind of started all of this? I can't remember the team, but it was like a huge upset. That was, oh, Appalachian State yes, yes, beat yes. Michigan. And yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just like that's the stuff, and it's just always there's something wacky that happens. You can never predict, predict it. It's so great. So I love college football. Favorite team, I'm from Arizona, so I love the Coyotes. I'm a big hockey guy of all things. Yeah, there's not very many. I know. There are not many Coyote fans out there, but uh, the ones who are – 
love the Coyotes, so I have a big conspiracy theory about them. Not a conspiracy <laughs> theory, but my championship theory. It's 2024, Austin Matthews leaves wow. the Toronto Maple Leafs, wow. signs with the Coyotes, <laughs> they win the Stanley Cup. It's coming. It's it's coming. They have had 26 draft picks in the last couple this of years. Is a, like, this is a sports insider breaking this. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> just, just wait. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the first one. To say, like, they already knew on Twitter, you know, it's like freezing hot, it's like extremely hot takes. That's what I'm going to be doing when it happens. Uh, so, anyways, but that's that. And then, uh, Your favorite athlete. It? Favorite athlete. Oh, there's so many, man. I really think no, we got so lucky. you have so to choose lucky. one. You can't say multiple. So lucky. You have to say I know. One. I know. We got so lucky in my era to grow up with so many great ones. Outside of all of the off the field things, I think Tiger Woods is just arguably like in, in like one of my one of the greatest, and like he's just so transcendent to the game of golf. I don't think I don't think there's been anyone who like I don't know if there's one athlete maybe outside of I don't really know, but like I will if Tiger's in contention, I will turn on golf on Sunday. I'm not like <laughs> I'm not like oh my gosh, I have to see like this person play basketball or, Oh my goodness, I need to see this person play hockey or, right. you know, it's teams. Right. But like, I feel like, yeah, Tiger is, and what is his impact on the game of golf? I mean, you know, you wouldn't even have, I, I don't think the PGA tour, I'm, obviously there's all the PGA tour stuff with live now and, and all the things that are going on there. But like the guys making the millions of dollars now in the PGA tour would never have been making that if there was no tiger. Right. I, I just think like everyone knows that. I think Rory mentioned it too uh, recently. So and I think what's interesting about us as two non-black people is uh, we don't even really understand the importance that he plays in that sport. Like, well, it's virtually no. impossible for us to understand it. Um, and that's fascinating to think about. Not only is he a living legend, but we'll never – a lot of people will just never know the depth of his importance, which is amazing to think about. Yeah, uh, great totally. answers. You've, you've nailed it so far. You're doing great. Uh, before we get into our moment, I have here lots of uh, research. I'm flipping through pages and pages of research. Let us let me let you hear that on the microphone. Pages pages. Got it. Research. Uh, I have here that you want a sauna on The Price is Right? I did, yeah. Okay, yeah. hold on. Lots of follow-up questions here. Number one – what game did you play? Was it Cliffhanger? No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't Cliffhanger, uh, unfortunately. No, it was honestly like, it was such an easy, it was uh, uh, most expensive. Well, how did so we, was, I don't know that game. How so it's literally work? three, it's three different prizes. And yeah. so mine was a Marc Jacobs accessory, a, uh, <laughs> which is like bags and yeah, like glasses yeah, yeah. And, and watches. And then the sauna and then two flat screen TVs. And so you just have to pick the one that's most expensive. If you get it right, you win all of them. Okay, hold on. Hold, so, on, hold on. Can you run through those three again? I want to play as though I'm Adam White and I'm going to pick between right. those three things. All right. So Marc Jacobs accessories. Okay. So it was like two watches, two pairs of sunglasses, uh, a tote bag and like a day bag. Got it. And then it was two 32 inch flat screen TVs. And then it was a, a sauna, like an infrared sauna. Oh, wait, it's got to be the sauna. Yeah. Oh, right. Because you wanted the. Oh. So. Infrared sauna, by the way. That's such a funny word to pair with yeah. the sauna. Infrared. Yeah. That's. I think that's, I think that's what it was. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so that and then. Um, I spun the wheel, spun a 95. Yes, on the how wheel. did that go? That's my next follow up. How did the, how did the yeah, wheel go? Yeah, it was great. I mean, the person, I think the first person spun like a 55, the woman in front of me, because I was only one. I was yeah. the second. So I was, I was one of the first four people called down at the beginning of the show. And then I was the second to last person to get on the show. Yeah. Um, so I was in, and of the three people that were 
in the second rotation because it's like three and then spin and then three and then spin. I was the only one that won a prize. And so I spun last. That's how it works, right? The people who you know, win the most spin last. So I spun last. The girl in front of me spun 85. And I was like, oh, man, that kind of sucks. So I was like, I might as well just rip it and see what happens. And, of course, it, it lands on 95. And I, like, legitimately black out. Like I don't, I don't even, I don't even remember it. Like, oh like I think, and the wheel is much heavier than what you expect. Like, it's way heavier. Than this you is expect. great. Like, I was just like, oh, this is way, way heavier than you expected. And so, so yeah, did that. Made it to the showcase showdown. I uh, again had one more than the the person who was in the showcase right. showdown. And oh so it was me and this and this woman by the name Dolores. And so Dolores, I believe, was like eighty five. <laughs> Dolores. Yeah. You can read yeah. it on her giant price tag name card. Yeah. Yeah, Dolores. Yeah, Dolores. <laughs> Which I think she was like 85, something like that. And so the first showcase was a uh, trip to Bora Bora, a uh, home gym, an online nutritionist for a year and $5,000. Wow. And so I passed and I was like, I freaking want a car. Like, you know what I mean? I can't have the prices right to win a car. I didn't come to win no freaking trip to Bora Bora, which was fine. And so I, uh, I, I passed and she, she bid $9,000. And I was like... <laughs> I was like, wait a second, the cash alone was 5000 bucks, And so I, I heard that, and I was like, holy shit. Like, I'm, like, definitely going to win. Like, I'm 100% going to win. What happened? This is the best story of all time. And, and then so I got uh, my showcase, and it was a trip to Hong Kong, a trip to Bangkok, and a sailboat. <sighs> and I was like, oh, you know, I was like, all right, so, like, at least 10000 for the sailboat. I was like, probably at least another 5000 plus for each trip right. it's so funny because my lucky number my entire life was like 24 and i was like oh 24,000 and I, I i wanted to say it but for some reason i was like i don't want to go over so i said 23,000 right so i was like 23,000 she said 9,000 and so hers and they like you know go to commercial yeah. whatever they come back hers ended up being 24,000 like 200 so yeah. she was off by like 15,000 yeah, yeah, yeah. you know 200 bucks whatever it was they come up in mine and it was um it was like 38,000 something. And so I was off by like 15,310. Uh, like, and so I ended up losing oh, by $110 because she was $110 closer, even though she only bid 9,000 bucks. Oh, uh, my yeah. God. And so everyone, I mean, everyone in the crowd was absolutely astonished. No one, cause like, and once they bid 9,000 bucks, like everyone is looking at me like, oh, this guy's going to win. Like, there's no way that he's going to. He's not going to win this. Um, and so, yeah, it was just a crazy, crazy ending. Crazy, that crazy ending. is astonishing television. It's it was great. It's world-class storytelling. Your memory is on another level that you can remember trips, number of trips, where they went, what her name was, how much she bid, what you bid. Just amazing. I really appreciate you walking us through that. I also love you mentioning how heavy the wheel is. I can imagine Adam thinking, I'm going to tear, I'm going to spin this thing I'm going to spin this wheel so goddamn hard. It might come off the hinges and start rolling through yeah. the goddamn audience. And, and like, I'm 18 at this time. Uh. So like, I'm like, you know, hopped up. Like, I'm just like, I think I'm the shit, you know? <laughs> and it was, uh, yeah, it was crazy. And then also like everyone, you, you talk shit when you're watching it on TV, on your couch, you're like, how are these people right. so stupid right. to miss these prices? <laughs> and I got up there. And with all the music going and everything coming in hot, uh, Drew Carey's staring at you. You're like, you know, 
<laughs> so, I mean, the first two or three, I was like completely off, completely oh my off. Gosh. And then I finally settled down a little bit and it was, and it was good. Uh, but yeah, that was, it was it, I now have a new, I'm like, oh, it's actually much harder. It's much harder. So, uh, what is this? This is 20, I'm 20, I went when I'm 18. Uh, and so you can go, you can go multiple times, but you can't win again for 10 years. Oh, so, so if you want to, if you want to try and be another contestant again, you have to go, uh, well, you can go between, but you have to tell them, Hey, I've won within right. the last 10 years. Right. So I could now go in a year. So Amazing. my show aired in uh, January. So I can go next January again. Uh, I'll you be 10 years know. since I went run it back. Yeah. 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 I, I joke with my, cause my older sister took me. So I joked with my younger sister that I was that I'm going to take you That's and then so you have funny. to get on. And it That's was so, so funny amazing. because I didn't even know at the time, but then I told my grandparents once. So like the other thing too is like it all is a dream in a way because right. you go, you can't take any photos in the studio. And then once you win, you sign an NDA to where you can't say anything to anyone until after the episode airs. Right. Well, I filmed in October. Our episode didn't air until January. Oh, my God. You're holding so, on to this sauna information and, yeah, for months. And I, like, told my parents. I like, you can tell your parents. But, like, if you realistically, like, if I were to go tell all my friends at school right. Right. that I was on, then – if they called up CBS and was like, "Oh, Adam told us he was on," then you could forfeit the you would forfeit right. the prizes. Oh my god! Because uh, you would ruin the integrity of the show, right? And so, uh, anyway, it's like it all felt like a dream. Like you just don't because you can't tell anyone. You don't get any freaking prizes, and you're like, "Did I? Was I actually on the show?" Uh, and so once I told my grandparents and stuff like that, then it, I randomly found out that my grandmother was on the show when it was in New York, like way, way, way back when. <laughs> And she had won like a friggin' freezer, oh like, like a, you know, one of those freezers that you put all your bulk right, meats in right, that's right. out in your garage, like something like that, but like in the sixties. Right. <laughs> and so I guess they like toted it around. My grandfather was in the Navy. So they toted it around a bunch of places and then oh it ended up, it was like, this is too fucking heavy. So we're not going to bring it on anymore. Oh, so what did, so, did you get your sauna? What did you do with the infrared sauna? No. So I, so luckily I, well, I lived in Arizona at the time, but luckily I didn't get the sauna because if they can't order it, then they'll give you the check. For this, that. for the that, yeah. so I ended up getting a check for like thirty six hundred bucks, oh my and it's god. so. Fu- and I'm eighteen. And I'm like, oh my god, this yeah, is a month. Yeah, I'm fucking yeah. like, I was just like, holy shit, I'm rich. <laughs> what a way to start the podcast. So good, so good. Adam, let's dive into our moment. I I can't wait to ask you a bunch of questions about front office sports and what you guys are doing there. But let's first dive into the moment. We have to decide if the Notre Dame Miami game of 2017 goes into the first ballot Hall of Fame. And to do that, we will go through our first ballot Hall of Fame credentials. Those are the categories by which we judge our moment. The first credential is, as always, analytics. People love numbers. They love stats. They, they feel like they uh, have a deeper appreciation for sports because they look at a bunch of numbers on a screen. Let's just go with it. Here are some numbers from the game. Notre Dame was ranked third in the nation. They had an early loss to Georgia by one point. We're still ranked third. The Canes were seventh. Notre Dame had won the year before. Final score of this game, 41-8. to eight. It was over early, too. This, to me, Adam, was a classic case of college kids being college kids. I I don't understand how uh, athletes, I mean, you know, the legends, the great ones, you get it. You go, well, he can perform in a college game because he's great. But for every kid that's not like a legend, not like a great athlete, 
The second I get down, if I'm a college athlete, I fold under the pressure. I virtually quit if I don't just actually walk off the field. I'm definitely giving up in the moment. And it felt to me like as Miami gets out early here, Notre Dame just was like, okay, well, you know, we got a trip here. We had a nice trip to, to Miami, to South Beach. And uh, that's that's it. So we're going to let this game, we're going to let the clock tick off, and then the game will be over. What were your thoughts on the game and on these stats Tell me your impression of this game. Again, you were a, a Miami alum. Were you at this game? I was at this game. Oh yeah, God. I was at this game. So the issue was was that I was so mad because I went there in 2014. It was the final, uh, I think it was the second third. It was the second to last or third to last year of Al Golden. And they were just not good. From 2014 to when I graduated in 2017, they were not good. Like, And I was just like, man, I went to Miami and the football right. team was not good. Like, right. this sucks. <laughs> and, of course, so I'm, I'm living in Miami the next year as I was working on the business still. And they're like, it's the first – I think it's first year of Mark Rick, maybe the second year. I can't remember off the top of my head. And, you know, they're playing well. And they beat everyone. And, you know, the week before they had Virginia Tech at home on a Thursday night and they beat them. And then there was college game day that Saturday uh, for the Miami game. And, like, the college game day at Miami was crazy. It was on this thing, and there's a lake in the middle of the campus, and they have put sailboats out on the lake. And I'm like, guys, just so everyone knows, there's not just sailboats out here all the time. (laughs) They put freaking sailboats. It was the most perfect day. They put sailboats on the lake. There's freaking people diving off the swimming pool that's right there. (laughs) Alex Rodriguez, who was the guest picker, went 10 and 0 on college game day was perfect <laughs> and we get to the stadium and i mean like from the jump it was and like hard rock if you've been to hard rock when it's like bumping it is like arguably the loudest stadium in because just the way they built it it kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. keeps everything yeah. in and it, it, it was really like it turned when they had that interception, they returned for a touchdown. Yes. I think that was the game. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm like telling you, that stadium was literally shaking. Like you could feel it in the <laughs> upper deck where I was sitting. Like it was, it was shaking. And, you know, it was just the culmination of a perfect two weeks. They went in, they beat Virginia Tech at home. They came back, they're wearing their all black uniforms, I think. And they just absolutely took it to Notre Dame on national TV, prime time. Like it, it was great. Yeah, Fantastic. I, being there uh, must have been a lot of fun. Uh, Notre Dame Stadium, when I was there, same thing. We stunk. Uh, the the legendary Notre Dame, I go to school there. And this was, I feel like, right as everyone was realizing, hey, uh, Notre Dame's going to be bad for a good long while here. Like, this is no longer, uh, you know, uh, by chance. This is They've been bad for a while. They're going to continue to be bad. And I sort of went there, and it was sort of dawning on everyone. And so we were bad for all four years that I was there. We lost a huge game to Ohio State on campus. But being in the stadium, being surrounded by your students, uh, watching your fellow students play, it is an electric feeling. Uh, uh, Miami seems like a, a, an amazing place to watch a game. I'll have to get down there at some point. Some other stats here. Travis Homer, 18 carries, 146 yards. Uh, he did get injured. DJ Dallas's replacement, 12 carries, 53 yards, two touchdowns, including a beauty we'll talk about later. Trajan Bandy had a pick six. Malik Young had an interception. Jaquan Johnson had an interception. And there was also a strip sack in the game. We'll get to those turnovers a little bit later. Well, that was also peak turnover chain, too. That's that was the other that's thing, That's what too. we're going to get yeah. into here. That's what yeah, we're going to get yeah, into. Yeah. Uh, before we get there, though, Adam, tell everybody about Front Office Sports, what you guys are doing. And yeah. I know you've told this before, but I, I want people to hear this. How you started the show, I, I think – this show and the audience that listens to it in particular wants to hear about how you started this thing. So tell us about front office sports. 
Yeah, so for all the sports now is very different than it was when I was in Miami. When I was in Miami, it was basically yeah, an information interview it. platform. Yeah, I started in Miami, yeah. so after my freshman year of college. So I've been working on it for about eight years, four, four years as a relative hobby slash kind of side hustle, and then the last four years as a you know a investor-backed right. uh, media company. Amazing. And it's been great. And it's, it, was, it you know, started out really as an informational interview thing where I'd call up people in work who worked in sports. And I said, hey, tell me your story. I'd publish the story. They would tell us all about the things, and then we'd go from there. And so we really built our audience originally off of everyone else's audiences because right. I would tell people, I said, the craziest thing you can do is start a media company with no money, no audience, no experience, and no followers. And figure, like, I, had, I have never, and still to this day, have spent zero time in media outside of this media. Like, I didn't work at Bloomberg. I didn't right, work at Wall Street right. Journal. I didn't work at anything. So I, I don't know what I don't know, realistically, at this point. And, you know, it's been really cool to see how the brand has evolved. And, you know, it started out as that. And, you know, we've really shifted into essentially just like a multi-platform media brand and you mentioned it earlier, we're covering really the influence of sports on, on business and culture. So we're covering everything beyond the game, everything off the field. Like we really don't touch, we don't touch anything on the field ever uh, because that's not, that's not what we do. And essentially right. like the easiest way to describe it is like if you take Bloomberg or Wall Street Journal and ESPN, and if they had a baby, that's us, right? Like that's the easiest way to describe it. Right. And because of the rise of everything that is going on right now and you know, LeBron's investing in things and athletes are becoming this and, you know, Mark or not Mark Walton, uh, Rob Walton, the, one of the richest right. men in the world is buying the Denver Broncos. Right. Like there's just so that, that it, it at this point, like sports is business and like it does, it, like it always has been and more people care about what happens off the field really than what happens on the field. Yes. Uh, and it's been good. I mean, newsletters is our, is our, you know, primary delivery method and that's been a big one. We're investing now driving more to the site and kind of just original content on site, obviously with the newsletter, our social platforms are relatively massive. Uh, we're the number one sports publisher on LinkedIn, which is really cool. We've seen a ton of success awesome. on that platform. Yeah, it's been an eight year love affair. I would like to say, because you know, it's just been every single day. We've it's it, content businesses are so different than any other business because your content is your business, right? And if you right. don't produce content, you don't have a business. Right. And so, but like you have to produce content every single day, essentially. Like you can't not produce content, right? So, um, you know, that's, that's sort of different. Whereas like if you're a sports tech startup or just a tech startup, you can, you know, code a few things and that's good for a while and see what happens, right? Like, you know, Riverside FM, which were the podcast platform we're on, like they just are pushing code, but they're not having to create new content every single day or a new platform every single day. So I'm going to grab the wheel here, Adam. I have a lot of questions. All right. First is who do I send my invoice to for the ad I did for you guys early on? You know what? Just email (laughs) it to me. Email me. No. The second thing is I wanted you to know I signed up for front office sports newsletter because I think you guys used to post sports jobs. Is that correct? We did. We did a long time ago. Yeah. Again, like the business has shifted a lot, but yeah, at some point we were, we were doing a lot of stuff. I think you posted a Lakers job at some point and I was like, Oh shit. I missed I That's my dream job. I was like, Oh shit. I missed the deadline. I have to follow these guys and read every single one of these emails in case there's that guy gets fired, whoever they hire in case that person gets fired and the job goes re up. I got to be here. Uh, and then, so I was legitimately reading your emails for the jobs. And then as I was, I'd go, Oh, now hold on. Let me read this story. And then, Oh, wait a second. Let me read this story. And what I found interesting is it's not something for me. 
It's not something that I thought I needed or wanted until I started reading it. And then I go, oh, no, 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 I do want this. And to me, you mentioned it early on, sort of the, the, the way the business and the way sports affects business and vice versa, the way the business affects sports. To me, it's sort of like, as as LeBron, as as uh, Mav Carter, as as uh, Rich Paul, as as those names get bigger and brighter and start having more influence, and and the the Genie Buses and the Jerry Jones and this you know so forth and so on, the Mark Cubans as they all keep making news, you can start to see the matrix if you start following uh, a place like Front Office Sports. If you start getting your your news from Front Office Sports, you can start to see the matrix a little bit. You can start to see, oh wait a second. This guy's doing this thing. This guy just signed with this agency and so did that guy. And maybe that's why this reporter reports these things, but doesn't report those things. It's sort of fascinating to get into the business side because they affect each other hand in hand. Totally. Fit, right. Like when you're talking to your buddies about sports, are you really talking about what's happening on the, on the court? Not usually. You're probably right. talking about who signed with this, who did with that, um, you know, what's going on here. And so, yeah, I mean, the biggest story today, uh, and I don't know when this podcast will be live, but the biggest story right now, uh, to make it a little bit more evergreen, is the fact that, you know, the Big Ten just signed a billion dollar a year media rights deal. That's that's a business story, right? That's a media story. That's a, that's a marketing story. It's an advertising story. That's, uh, I mean, every industry, and that's what we always say is like, there's this beautiful nexus of everything that's happening right now. And the nexus is it all revolves around sports, right? Like sports is at the center of pretty much every industry, whether it's technology, whether it's media, whether it's marketing, whether it's finance, whether it's private equity, whether it's real estate. I mean, I can list every industry and there is some through line to sports. Fashion, like something, there's literally some through line to sports. So it's, a, it's really amazing. And I, I love, uh, also, I love that they're newsletters. I, I, I know that maybe that's a, a, I'm curious. You tell me why is, what is the audience? What's like the demographic you guys go after? I love it because it's a newsletter. It comes right to my inbox. I don't have to go anywhere. It gets delivered to me. I get to open it, read everything that I want to read. Uh, and then there's another one coming up, uh, you know, a couple hours later, another one the next day. And it's very simple and easy. Who does a newsletter business sort of favor in terms of demographic? Well, I mean, I think you, just hit it on the head. And I think this is one of the things that we talk about all the time is that the inbox is the new homepage, right? When was the last time you checked ESPN.com? Right. You don't know. Yeah. And when was the last time you checked your inbox? Like, you know, right before we were talking, right? Yeah. Literally 10 minutes ago. Exactly. So, uh, you know, our whole thing is that we meet our audience where they consume their news and information and that's in their inbox. And so it's, uh, you know, our audience is traditionally 25 to 54 year old working professional. The average age is 39. Household income 150k plus, uh, give or take, is kind of our median of where we're at. And so they're all relatively well off white collar workers who are working in sports and sports adjacent fields. So media, marketing, technology, real estate, private equity, finance, uh, banking, you know, all of these different things. Yeah, amazing. Uh, congrats on everything and the and the way it's going. It's 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 electric to sort. Of, also, you we're sort of blowing past the fact that you started this thing in college, and then turned got an investment. And and again, I don't mean to be an ageist here, but you're young. You're a very young person. You, however many minutes ago, mentioned that you're in the twenty seven, twenty eight range. For God's mm-hmm. sakes, you're young. You're a CEO of a goddamn company valued at twenty five million dollars. 
you're young. You're a young person. My God, congratulations. It's amazing. And again, to start in college, if anybody's listening to this and you've like rolling around an idea, I don't know. I, I just hope that you get inspired by listening to people like this because hell man, give it a shot. I feel like ultimately whether it succeeds or fails, giving it that shot, it's going to be a story you can tell. Oh, this guy is killing it with the sauna story. You can go kill it with a story at bare minimum. You can go kill it with a story of you going after the thing you want. And if it does work out, you nailed it. Congratulations. So uh, my hat's off to you, Adam, uh, front office sports. I'm a, I'm a legit, legitimate, actual reader of the newsletter. It's fantastic. Love it. The next credential is the eye test. Adam, what did you see in this moment that might put it over the top and get this game into the first ballot hall of fame? Is there anything visual from this game that you remember that gives this moment some weight? I mean, I think it was the whole lead up to it. I think I talked about earlier. It was the college game day on campus. It was Alex Rodriguez going 10 and 0. It was the perfect (laughs) night. It was sailboats in the thing and divers (laughs) diving off the, 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 the water and, all of that and then it was the lead up and then it was you know the smoke at the beginning right everyone's running out the people were playing they're playing um you know whatever it's coming in the air tonight you know you know whatever the drum solo song i can't remember the actual name of it it's miami it's notre dame it's like the biggest college rivalry one of the largest you know one of the most important college rivalries ever everyone's wearing catholic versus convict shirts everyone's mad and we're just you know beating the brakes off them and it was it just i don't know and everyone's like you know at the time it was like miami's back you know miami's back only for us to you know the next week i believe it was or two weeks later we lost to Pitt, and then our and we crashed and burned um from there but you know i think that's that it was just everything right it was just it was the build-up it was the event it was the game it was the turnover chain it was the announcers right everything I love it when people come on the show and share the personal side, their memories of being there, of where they watched it. Sports moments are ours. Those are the things we get to keep as sports fans. So I love hearing that personal side. You mentioned it to me, my answer here in the eye test, the turnover chain. Now I had not watched this game. I had not seen this game. I rewatched the entire thing in preparation for this. I knew I had seen the pictures of the turnover chain, but I didn't know much about it. So for me to watch this game and to see what the turnover chain is and how it was implemented and used, absolutely phenomenal. I can't stress this enough. The turnover chain is electric. It's phenomenal. If you don't know what the turnover chain is, when the University of Miami football team got a turnover, an interception, a strip sack, uh, fumble, recovery, et cetera, et cetera, they the the defender literally they sprint off the field and one of the coaches pulls a gigantic turnover chain a giant gold chain out of a bag and puts it over the guy's head the guy immediately hops up on the on the bench is showing it off the fence everybody's going crazy it's a brilliant genius idea that spawned a bunch of copycats after it it's truly an amazing invention that i can't uh, recommend to people enough there should be everyone should have their own version of a turnover chain it's phenomenal yeah we're not going to have it anymore though because they're changing the they're, they're changing the which is fine i get it <sighs> look i will i will take a miami hurricanes national championship over a turnover chain for you know every <laughs> single day of the week they can never take away they can never take away what the turnover chain was that is your guys forever the chain was the brainchild of at the time defensive coordinator manny diaz 
AJ yep. Machado, owner of AJ's Jewelry in Cutler Bay, Florida, was the jeweler trusted to create the turnover chain. Let me give you a little bit of the stats on this thing because I was fascinated. Made of solid gold with a gem encrusted U at the bottom for the University of Miami. The first chain was five and a half pounds of 10 karat gold, and it took two weeks to make. It was 36 inches long with a six and a half inch U medallion encrusted with 900 small sapphires, 450 orange, 450 green. Tasteful for sure. When the when asked about the chain, famous and infamous rapper Luther Luke Campbell of Two Life Crew said, quote, this is like the U.M. of old. This chain is fly. Every young guy, whether you're black, white, or purple, wants a Cuban link. These players are laying their body on the line to get a turnover because they want to wear that chain. The fun is back. It, and, and, and four turnover chains during this Notre Dame game. It was really amazing. What's, what, tell me what the, what the audience is like in a 2017 Miami football game at home in Miami, the heat, and you guys see the turnover chain come out. Come out. What is that like? I mean, it wasn't even just like, it was just like the anticipation of it coming yes. out. Like that was the thing. Yes. It was like every time they were on defense, it was just like everyone wanted a turnover. <laughs> it's, not like I, it's not like I want a freaking fourth down stop or something. Right. Like, I literally want, I, we wanted the, the, the Notre Dame to continue to move down the field. So it gave us more time to have a turnover. <laughs> like everyone was just like, ho- like holding their breath. Like it, it just felt like that. It was just like everyone was literally, they weren't cheering for the team on defense they were cheering for a turnover i mean granted you were cheering for the defense but you were like cheering for the the turnover because everyone wanted to see i mean because everyone was talking about it It, like it was in the spotlight leading up to it all week you know the hype around the the turnover chain and like paul feinbaum i think is wearing the turnover chain on like espn shows and it's just like yeah man it was there was nothing like it during the game they play a little vignette a little segment on the turnover chain and they talk to manny diaz again then defensive coordinator uh became head coach but at the time defensive coordinator and he talks about the genesis of the turnover chain let's listen to this together we were brainstorming want to do something fun uh, for our players but obviously we wanted to encourage getting more turnovers from what we had a year ago but it had to be miami we had we had to have something miami and uh we kicked around a lot of ideas as a staff and i don't remember who came up with it but someone said a cuban link and um, once we all looked at what a Cuban link was and, and how it could look, <laughs> it was a no-brainer. Now, hold on, Manny Diaz. Born and raised in Miami, by the way. He didn't know what a Cuban link was? He, he, I feel like he, ha- he had to have known what a Cuban link was. I think he had to get everyone else on board with what a Cuban link Wow. I, listen, I, may, maybe you're right, but you, you, maybe you're saving. Maybe you're, I think maybe the University of Miami alum might be protecting Manny Diaz. I, I'm – dangerously close to calling Manny Diaz a fraud. I'm not going to do it officially. I just want to say I'm not certain that he knew what a Cuban link was. That's that's a shame. The chain, though, the defense forced 31 turnovers in that 10-3 2017 season. The year before, Miami only had 19 turnovers. So the debut of the turnover chain really ramped things up for the uh, Miami Hurricane football team. Uh, and then one of my favorite things is that the next season they brought it back, but they they revamped the design, which I really appreciate because if you watch the game, the U logo, and by the way, the U Miami, the U hand signal, that's just like so great. So great. And it's the, the, the perfect logo. It's so good. The U on the chain sort of makes the chain sit awkwardly on the players. And I love that someone recognized that and was like, you know what, guys? 
Let's redesign this. Let's do it right. And yeah. the, the the chains to follow, the turnover chains to follow in the four upcoming in the four years that preceded, each one was gaudier and more fantastic than the one previous. Uh, I love the fact that they had so many iterations of that chain. Uh, and yeah. then the last thing worth mentioning here, the turnover chain, such a phenomenon in 2017 that Solo D, a Miami area rapper, made a song about it. Let's listen to this. Turn over chain, 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 turn over chain. I mean, that's how fun is that? I mean, they were playing it the whole time. That's I mean, that's all you could yeah, it was man, I'm telling you, it was sounds like a magical season. It was, that was that was. I, I mean, if they would have not lost to Pitt, I think they would have had a more magical <laughs> season. But I'm hoping for a magical one this year. But that was, yeah. I mean, like that. But like that's the crazy part about Miami when it's good like that. It's yes. like that's what Miami does. You know, I don't think like who's rapping about Alabama football. No offense to Alabama football. Like I don't know if anyone's rapping about Alabama football. Like there's not many. Like you know, there's not many rappers who are making stories about that. So. Or making raps about that. Like, they've been dominant, and I haven't heard really one Alabama football rap before. So, um, I'm going to play yeah, this at random like, times during the rest of the show. I'm just going to play this. Turn over chain. Turn over chain. Turn yeah. over chain. Turn over chain. Turn over. Okay. You're going to be um, like singing. You're going to be like sleeping, and, and your wife is going to be like, what the hell? And all that. And next thing you know, you're going to be like, turn over chain. Turn over chain. Turn over chain. Turn over chain. You're going to be like, what's wrong with you? I mean, I you truly just the top of this podcast. I I wish I had gone to Miami in the university. Of, uh, I wish I had gone to the University of Miami in 2017. It's just a blast. Uh, yeah, while okay. we're talking about things we're listening to, the next category is the ear test. What did you hear in this moment? What did you hear in this game? You mentioned it early on. I want to pitch you one. It's the sound of the turnover chain. You specifically referenced. You are watching the game, wanting drives to extend so you have a chance at the turnover. As I was watching this game, I was absolutely floored by every possession where a Miami defender gets their hands on the ball. The crowd absolutely erupts. There are eight times. Let's listen to them here together. Here's the first one. Play action, and Wimbush delivers, deflected, and almost intercepted in his hands. Zach McLeod had it. It was deflected by Quarterman. We almost saw the turnover chain in the first minute. Every one of these, there's like, it's, it's, you know, it's this loud roar to start. And then as the play continues and the ball gets tipped or the, you know, the, 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 the defender runs over and, and makes a play on the ball, the, it just reaches a fever pitch and then immediately falls off with this like big, oh, we didn't exactly. get the turnover exactly. chain. Here's the next one. Another almost pick. Wimbush pulls it almost through a pick again as Malik Young in the corner. They're all the same. Oh! And then here's, here's the third. It is an interception. Haynes only rush three. Throw high. There's the pick. Jaquan Johnson will be the first win. Here's the fourth. One first down delivers high intercepted. Malik Young looking for a block, spun down inside the 10 as the turnover chain will make its second appearance tonight. Here's the th fifth. Delivers a downfield throw and a danger jump ball incomplete. Almost a second <laughs> interception tonight for Malik Young. And then here's the pick six. Book delivers a dart, intercepted. 
Look out. Trajan Bandy, the true freshman. Break out the chain again. We're not going to play the others. You know what they sound like. It's, I, I think what's worth mentioning here in terms of the ear test. I mean, but also just like how loud Chris Fowler was literally yes. screaming. I'm also like getting, I'm also getting goosebumps listening it's to that a, again. It really uh, is amazing. But like, so he was literally, I mean, they mentioned it previously. Like, they were like legitimately having to scream the whole broadcast because they couldn't freaking, they couldn't get anything off. Oh, man. If you didn't hear it, Chris Fowler there, the guy, pick six, Bandy runs it back into the end zone. He doesn't mention that he scores the touchdown. He never says the word touchdown when he crosses the goal line. He goes, "Get the turnover chain out again." That's what yeah. Chris Fowler references to me. That's my ear. Te- that's my ear test submission here. It's truly an amazing moment. I'm a huge fan of the turnover chain. Thank you for introducing it to me, Adam. Yeah, it was, that was. I mean, that was like why it made it so great because everyone literally, it's like you can hear it. Like you, you said, it's just like everyone was just hoping to see it. It was crazy. The next credential is our test of time. This is when we compare this game, this 2017 game, against other games like it. Miami, Notre Dame, obviously a long-running feud. Uh, We, Notre Dame, I'm going to say we versus you because I went to Notre Dame and you went to Miami. Let's just say we versus you. Uh, We, the Notre Dame uh, Fighting Irish, won 2016-30-27. We won in 2012, 41-3 in Chicago. That's a blowout. 2010, we won as well. And then we won in 1990 as well. I mean, we won the the last four games before 2017. You guys uh, dominated through the 80s. Obviously, there was the great 88 uh, Notre Dame win uh, the, during their national championship season. Notre Dame dominated during the 70s. And then there's a six, 1960 win from Miami and the first game in 1955 that, that Notre Dame won. It's also, the I believe, that era Parsegian tie 0-0 uh, tie game in 1965. Is that true? Maybe that's true. I'm looking at it. I don't know. I'm not a Miami historian, to be it's, honest with you. But. It, where does this game stack up against other Notre Dame-Miami games? I mean, I think it's – I mean, it's – I mean, depends on who you ask. Right, right? Because right. If, you, if you ask I hate Miami it, fans – Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you hate it. Miami fans love it. The general people probably also love it. But also, you know, the average fan probably would have wanted to see a 28-21, you know, down to the last play right. thriller. Whereas we wanted to see it get to 56. Like, we're just like, we need to keep scoring. Like, 41 is not enough. Like, keep scoring. I don't want to see our backups. You're disgusting. Uh, you and your Miami yeah. fandom, it's truly disgusting. I'm offended that you're here and you're rubbing. It is actually funny, though. I think Miami and Notre Dame have a lot of things in common. And one of them is the fact that most of their fans don't go to the school. Yes. Very like, most true. Notre Dame fans right. do not have never been to Notre Dame. Most yes. Miami fans have never been to Miami. It's very different than like, like you don't meet many Wisconsin Badgers, right. and I'm just using this as an example. Right. You don't meet many people who are fans of Wisconsin who didn't go to the school. Exactly. Uh, there's a few, but like they, you know, so like that's like an interesting thing. There's definitely a few college programs. USC, I think, is up there, right? Where, you know, like Oregon, obviously big school, but you don't know many too too many right. Oregon football fans who that's didn't a go to perfect Oregon. Example. Yes, I don't. So. Know, I mean, and maybe it's also a little bit of East Coast bias here, but I don't know anyone that's a fan of Oregon that did not go to Oregon. Uh, that's Correct. a perfect example yeah. in my mind. Yeah. Uh, the next credential is the MVP. What's the most valuable part of this moment? If you had to say, Adam, what's the most valuable part in this game? 
that might let us go, oh my God, that is a gigantic part and we do have to give this thing extra weight and extra credence. Maybe this is enough to put it in the first ballot Hall of Fame. What is the MVP? What's the most valuable part of this moment? I mean, I think it was that pick six, yeah, to be honest with you, between that and the and the turnover chain and, you know, you heard it in the voice and the crowd. And I mean, that was the point where it was just like, all right, this game is ours, you know? So I think that was, Damn. I think that would be it. Really sucks to have to live through that. Um, <sighs> this show is about moments, Adam. What has been the biggest moment for you as a young CEO? And what's been the biggest moment for FOS? And are they the same? Uh, no, definitely not the same. I mean, part, you know, potentially. Uh, the biggest moment? I think the biggest moment for uh, for me probably was us just being able to, like, to get the funding and me yeah, going from yeah. taking this to a hobby to something else. Um, the biggest moment for FOS, there's been a few. Uh, you know, I think early on it was the the fact that anheuser-busch came in yeah. to present our yeah, uh, rising 25 award and at that point i was like amazing if anheuser-busch will sponsor this i can get That's any right. other sponsors Absolutely. to br- to come into this brand that i want and that was like the, that was like the real icebreaker i think that really broke it open for us and, and we've learned a lot since then but i would say the investment for me and you know because you immediately go from someone who is just doing this for fun to right. someone who now has to do it and like we have employees and we have stakeholders and you know, there's people who are counting on us to show up every single day. And I think that's been, you know, do, do you, different. do you celebrate that moment or are you like crushed by the pressure of having to perform now with the lights on? Like, well, how do you react when you get that investment? I mean, yeah, it was, it was definitely like, it was something that we celebrate, but it's just like, you have to show up to work the next yeah, day. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? It's not like, like, you know, everyone's like, Oh, the valuation is great. And I'm like, yeah, the only number that matters is the last one. Right. Right. Like yeah, before then it doesn't fucking matter. Right. A business can be valued at 20 million, 50 million, 40 million. Who cares? Right. Cause it's not like, it doesn't matter to me. Like I'm not seeing any of that money. Right. You know? So, uh, that's, that for us is, you know, yes, we'll, we'll take time to, to celebrate it and, 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 you know, be excited about it. But with content, like we were saying, it's not like we can, <laughs> you see all these big brands right now and, you know, these bigger companies that are corporate or, or don't have like content to produce, you know, they're taking weeks off, right. two weeks off, right. whatever it is like that in the summer. And it's like all office out of all, I mean, we can't do that. <laughs> like our whole job is content. Right? right. And so again, it's just that, that, that I think is the other thing is too, is like, I wake up every morning and at seven thirty we have newsletters in our inbox. We're posting social content. We have content on the site. Like things are going on. And so, you know, it starts early and goes late because that's the other thing too, is around the clock. So uh yeah, it's good though. It's super exciting. I'm super jealous of what you guys are doing. Uh you I read about you making the decision to stop pursuing jobs in sports administration and devoting yourself to this. How challenging was that? How nervous were you? Tell me about that moment. For me, I think it was 2017, and you know, when it comes to jobs, I had interviewed with a an organization. I went 14 rounds of interviews deep, and it was three rounds of interviews, and then I went on site and did like eight more, nine more rounds of interviews. On top, so it was like 12 to 13 total, something like that. And I didn't get that job, and I was like, at the time, I had FOS, and I was like, you know what? Like, I have this thing. And I might as well just give it a go. I'm like, I'm 21. I got zero responsibilities. I said, I could just figure it out. And if anything, in a year or two years, if it doesn't work out, then I won't, then it's fine, whatever. And, you know, that's, that's when I think I just decided to go all in. And I tell this story too. It's like, most people didn't realize that I was doing 
other things, right? Because like all I did was talk about and post about front office sports across all of our social platforms. <laughs> and no one knew I was working as a, as a, you know, a waiter and working as a TA. And I was basically like working as a TA in the, in the morning to the afternoon, going to the bar at night and working at the bar, serving tables all night and weekends. And then working on the business after that, no one had any idea. Right. right? The big thing for me to understand is like, I realized that, you know, the only people who care, because I, you're self-conscious. You're like, Oh, like, you know, I went to Miami and I'm serving tables out of school. Like that's, you know, I should be, you know, working in the banking or finance, right? I should have a big boy job. And no one gave a shit. You know, the only person who cared was me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and so uh, I think that was the one thing that I really realized too, is like, look, you might as well just give it a shot and see what happens. And somehow it uh, has all worked out, knock on wood, up to this point. The next credential is burning questions. The answer to these questions might put our moment into the first ballot Hall of Fame. The question is to you, Adam, and the question is, the Alabama ball out belt. I've read online that the Alabama ball out belt, uh, you know, uh, akin to a heavyweight championship belt, existed two years before Miami's turnover chain, at least two years before. Does that make the ball out belt more important? And if so, do we need to remove the turnover chain as we're considering it for this game for the first belt Hall of Fame? No. <laughs> because no one talked about the ball out belt before it's no one talked about the ball out belt before the turnover chain. The and truth. as soon as the turnover chain came out, then everyone had a freaking, right. you know, prop, right. right. And I mean, I think like UNLV, which is perfect for them because it's totally on brand. They literally have a freaking slot machine. <laughs> that, like once they like, intercept and they go over and pull the freaking thing and it does the wheels on the side. <laughs> Amazing. Right. But like, that all happened after the turnover That's chain, right. right. The ball out belt was there, That's but right. You know, I think turnover chain set the culture in, in, a, in a sense. And so, no, I don't, I don't actually think at all. It, it's really true. Uh, um, you know, Lamar Odom used to play positionless basketball, but LeBron James popularized it. LeBron James will always be thought of as the godfather of positionless basketball, and uh, and rightfully so. He, there's there's something to that next level of showmanship, and I appreciate Miami doing it right with the turnover chain. Adam, I see the clock is winding down on us. It's almost time for our newest hit segment, more important. But first, one last question. Adam, who is your favorite front office sports board member? Is it Farrell F., the COO of Clutch Sports, or is it Jason Stein, your investor and managing partner of SC Holdings? You must answer that question. Who is your favorite? Uh, I don't think anyone would have any... Oh. Oh, Adam, I'm so sorry. We've run out of time. What we do have time for is more important... Play my theme music, Rob. Adam, I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and the answer to those questions will all be more important than everything else you've said so far today. There's an imaginary clock that's forcing us to move quickly. You must answer and move on to the next question. Are you ready for more important? Let's do it. Adam, what's your favorite candy bar? Candy bar? Uh, Milky Way. Oh, oh my God. Over Snickers? Like it's the peanuts? Mm Yeah, totally. Which NFL team has the best branding? Now, we're talking about colors, logos, new and old, jerseys, the full package. I think the Chargers. I think the Chargers. The powder blue. I really like the powder blue. That's that's very distinct. That is the wrong answer. It is the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I think Miami, and this is a credit to you guys and what you do in Miami. To me, Miami, I might say that as a city from college to pro sports teams, Miami has the best branding uh, uh, across all uh, sports teams, uh, really. So you're wrong there. That is the wrong answer. I appreciate 
it, but uh, it is wrong. Number three, what is the what is the best? Not your favorite. What is the best Price Is Right game? I mean, you gotta go with the iconic like Plink Out. Yes, you, know? you, you gotta go with that. <laughs> course, there's yeah. no other answer. And the last question: What is your most rewatchable movie? Uh, Sub question will be: Do I know it because I'm so much older than you? I love Top Gun. You know, the original, so good. You can't, you can't. You can't go by it. You can't get past the original Top Gun. I, I can watch that movie all the time. I like that one. Uh, Miracle uh, is a good one, too. You know, about the, the Olympics. The Olympic hockey team. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's such awesome. a good one. And then also, like, love cool runnings. Like, that's a throwback <laughs> to the Jamaican bobsled team. That's so good. So good. But, yeah, next Top Gun is a great one. The next credential is our cosign, Adam. The floor is yours. Does the Miami Notre Dame game from 2017 belong in the first ballot hall of fame and why? Can I say no? You can say whatever you'd like. Oh, okay. I mean, we take, it, we take a, this very seriously. If, first I'm a non, if I'm a non-biased person, yes. no. Right, okay. No, okay. it doesn't belong. Because I appreciate this candor. The fact that I think for it to be a first ballot Hall of Fame type game, it needs to be close. Like, you can't really have too many blowouts, right? Like it was a first ballot Hall of Fame game for me, a yes. Miami fan, yes. Yes. but for the general sports fan who turned it off after the second half or the second quarter because we were up by thirty, there's no way, right? Like I think the first ballot Hall of Fame, if you're talking about like college football, like is Clemson Louisville, right? Like when it was Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. and Deshaun Watson outside of all the stuff that he's done now. But, like, they were going back and forth, and it was double overtime yes. and blah, blah, blah. Like, now that, I to agree. me, is first ballot. For me, as a Miami this person, uh, this isn't the first ballot. Uh, for me, as a Miami person, yes. It is, first right. ballot. Yes. For me, as a general sports fan, no, it's not. I, I, I so appreciate your candor. This was your moment. You wanted to talk about this, and you've got the guts to say it's not good enough for the first ballot Hall of Fame. The next credential is the induction speech. That's when me, Neil... I have to take in everything that we've talked about so far in this podcast and make a decision on whether this goes into the first ballot hall of fame. And I'm here to tell you, I agree with you, Adam. It does not, but you know, it does the turnover chain. The turnover yeah. chain is going to the first ballot hall of fame. This thing is electric. If you've not seen it, go to our Instagram at first ballot HOF, watch the video, see the pictures. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Play the music, Neil. Here we go. I tell ya. The turnover chain is one of the best things I've ever seen in college football. This music is so loud. It is so loud. Sincerely, to me, there are few tangible objects that more perfectly sum up what the first bout Hall of Fame is. Than the turnover chain, it is the it is the intersection between sports performance excellence and showmanship. That's what the first ballot is about, and and the the turnover chain is one hundred percent a first ballot Hall of Famer. Congratulations to Adam White and the turnover chain from the University of Miami. Oh my God, what an what a, what an amazing episode! What an amazing sports moment to relive and remember. Adam, thanks so much for doing it. Tell everybody how to follow Front Office Sports, how to follow you, and, and what you're up to next. Plug plug everything. Yeah, yeah. So Front Office Sports on uh, LinkedIn, Front Office Sports on Instagram, at FOS on Twitter. There's a great story behind how I was able to finesse that. Uh, and then for myself, it's at FOS Adam on Twitter, Adam White on 
LinkedIn and I don't really do much on Instagram, so nothing there. And, and to sign up for our newsletters, it's just frontofficesports.com backslash newsletters, which is kind of the best way to find us. But obviously on the site, just frontofficesports.com, which also took us a long time to get. They're doing really exciting stuff over there. You guys are getting into to teaching, into classes. You guys are uh, really stretching out what uh, you guys offer in terms of products. But to me, the newsletter, I read it every single day. I read it every single day. It, it's the thing to me that uh, is the, the best way into front office sports. If you're not already following them, make sure you get the newsletter. It's fantastic. Adam White, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. It was great. That's it. That's the show. A big thank you to Mr. Adam White for coming on. My endless thank you to Rob Babarucci for editing the show. Same to Ms. Jessica Sang for producing it. You know my guy, Rhythm J, makes all the beats. Follow him on social at Rhythm J. Jorge Naranjo made the theme music. For more important, follow his social at O-R-N-J-I-N-S on all platforms. Special shout out to J.R. Ambrosio in New Zealand for rating and reviewing the show. That's very kind of you, that Kiwi love. Also, J.R. is Filipino, which means he's one of the greats. If you review the show, please let me know so I can thank you right here. I do appreciate you listening, and please come back next week for more First Ballot. Turn over chain, turn over chain, turn over chain.